0: they don't care about me. Turned around, I'm going to just try on the opposite that shows up. What is the opposite? They don't care about me, they do care about me and I'm not gonna believe it. I'm gonna try it on as though it were a pair of shoes. So I've tried that on, I had no proof. Another turnaround, I don't care about them. That's the work of the ego. Question it first and then get to the turnaround, there's something wrong with me. Turned around, there's something right with me. If you find one thing right with you, you can find two. Like, I got up this morning, I brushed my teeth. There's a way out. And the way out is the way
1: into ourselves. Hello, and welcome to the Not Perfect Podcast. I'm your host, Poppy Jamie, the founder of award-winning mindfulness app, Happy Not Perfect. And this show is about upgrading our mind, our energy, and our understanding of how we can live life to our fullest potential. So I've got a little announcement to make. I've just been appointed as the global wellness ambassador of a brand I feel so passionate about, Erno Laszlo. If you have ever had trouble with your skin or like your skin to glow bright, then you'll love them just as much as I do. For those of you who are unfamiliar, Erno Laszlo is one of the most respected doctor-founded skincare brands in the world and began in the 1920s. I grew up reading about Erno Laszlo, about how Marilyn Monroe and Audrey Hepburn devoted their beauty to one of the first ever dermatologists, Dr. Laszlo. He was known as the one who could solve anyone's skin problems. Even after a hundred years, well, nearly 100 years, Erno Laszlo are still the pioneering brand for new, really effective, clean formulations that work. By surprise, I uncovered that Dr. Laszlo used to prescribe mindfulness along with his skincare for better results in the 20s. And I just thought this was amazing because so many of us treat our mind and skin separately. And actually, by combining the two, we can get double the results. I love how a doctor so many years ago was passionate about the connection between the skin and the mind. So I want to set you a little challenge this week. The next time you're moisturizing or cleansing in the morning or evening, slow down. Use this time to take some deep breaths and use it as a reminder to relax your mind at the same time. Become aware of actually how you're massaging your face or what the water feels like on your face. Use this moment to get present and have a mini meditation maybe. When we are feeling slightly more relaxed, we undoubtedly look our best selves to. I am a devout user of Ano Laszlo skincare, I have been for years and I couldn't encourage you more to check out their products because I have really seen such fantastic results and I love the philosophy of the brand, your glow begins within. Together we are going to look at how our skincare routine and mind can be more integrated. So stay tuned for that. I honestly can't believe I'm about to introduce today's guest because she is someone whose work I've been following since I was 16. And when you begin to watch her talks, read her books, and listen to the many millions of people she's helped out of suffering over the last 30 years, I'm sure you'll be in just as much awe as I am. In 1986, Byron Katie's life changed forever. She was 43 and had been suffering from an eating disorder and depression for years. But her whole life changed, and the discovery of questions led her to freedom and peace. What is a favorite quote you like to return to often and why?
0: Suffering is optional. Suffering is optional. I I kind of return to that and I'm not really thinking the thought. It's just always present in me.
1: And this whole interview will be about why that is the case, because we'll discover why suffering is optional, which probably sounds really radical, and how could suffering ever be optional? But that is the beauty of what we'll find out. What's a life lesson you've been reminded of recently, and why? Oh, that
0: freedom is possible, not just for one of us, or two or three, but all of us, all of us. And freedom really is, is our true nature, But what we're thinking and believing about life, ourselves and others, you know, we can question that and return to our nature, which for me is a state of wisdom and inspiration. And how can I help? How do you define happiness? Balance. Balance. It's a balanced state of mind. And in that balanced state of mind, what we say, what we do, the way we live, you know, life becomes a a joy as opposed to, for some of us where I've come from, as opposed to hell. So I'm really, you know, I really know the cause of suffering and how to end it.
1: So with that in mind, and you recently tweeted, you know, find out what the cause of suffering is. And I think to even start to unravel that, if you might be open to sharing that story of great change you experienced because I was actually reading some of the accounts of the nurses in this home that you were in and you checked yourself into and they said you were one person one day and you walked down the stairs and you were a new person at breakfast the next morning what happened in that night which completely changed things forever?
0: Well, the people in that situation with the eating disorders—they were frightened of me, and which shocked me. I thought I was a very kind, lovable person, but they shared later with me they were very frightened of me, and they didn't want me downstairs. So I was um, my room was an attic room at the very top, and I slept on the floor because my self esteem was so low. I was so full of self-loathing, I didn't believe I even deserved a bed to sleep in. So that was my common practice. And one particular day as I lay sleeping on the floor, um, cockroach ca- <laughs> crawled over my foot and it woke me up. And before the ego could fill that space in, I saw how my world was created, my world of suffering. It was absolutely clear. And in that moment, the value of that isn't just for me, but it's what I love to share is when I believed my thoughts about you, about me, about the world, I suffered. And when I didn't believe them in that gap before the the ego could identify as myself, I saw that it's true for every human being, my personality, shift was so radical that even my children found it difficult to see me as me. My body looked like me, but the transition was so radical that they could not relate to who I was and they didn't trust it for a long time, and rightfully so. And of course all these years later through the years they not only trust it their identities, their life choices, and the way they are in the world, everything has shifted for them as well. I just want that for everyone. Everyone has a right to freedom. That's our birthright. Freedom is our birthright. So we can all agree, I think, that there's suffering in the world. And what I saw on the floor that day and continue to remain aware of is that the thoughts I'm thinking and believing are the cause of suffering and that when we question those we wake up to a reality that i call happiness to a reality the way we see the world and experience it and the way we are in the world can radically shift and it's a meditative process in inquiry basically and anyone with an open mind can do it
1: I love that. Anyone with an open mind can do it. That's really powerful, I think, across so many different facets. And so through this experience, you channel these four questions that enables us all to have this transformation that you went through that completely changed your life. How would you describe that process of how you kind of formulated these four questions? And if you wouldn't mind, I would love to go through the four questions and a turnaround.
0: Okay, so I'll just start with, uh, for example, they don't like me. So a situation that comes to my mind is, let's say I'm presenting the work to a large audience yeah, and I think I made a mistake. I said something that was just totally ridiculous and then I have the thought, they don't care about me. And so the first question, therefore, the first question is, is it true and then I meditate in that and I'm thinking in that meditation what's showing up is um I have no way of knowing what they're thinking and then it runs a little deeper you know even people tell me what they think I have no way of knowing if they're even telling me the truth so I've just answered the first two questions
1: is it true can I know it's true for sure
0: and then the third one only two to go the third one to witness on that stage, to anchor in that situation, meditating there and get in touch with, how do I react in that situation when I believe the thought they don't care about me? And then I see images in my head, the egos play, the images in my head of the future where they're gonna tell everyone, don't listen to her, she doesn't make any sense, et cetera, et cetera. And then I see the past where I did it so perfectly. And and I see the past where I failed. And then you know, as I witness that, it's like, who would I be? That last question. Who would I be without the thought? So those images of past future drop because that's ego, false images. Everything shifts. And I see clearly the cause of my suffering. It's what I was thinking and believing. It wasn't them at all. They had no part. So I was responsible for all of that. I wasn't doing it on purpose. I'm not to blame. It's the ego at play, which the ego doesn't sleep. It's a play all the time. It can be brutal, It's the cause of depression, it's the cause of our anxiety, it's the cause of our loneliness, it's the cause of our drug addiction. We try to shift this crazy head when we can simply question, identify what we're thinking and believing and question it. And it could be true, they don't care about me, but it's not for me to say because I can't know. Do I care about them? That's my interest.
1: Why do you think so many of us do walk around with these beliefs and thoughts that we're unlovable, we're not enough, we're craving for significance, we're craving for different attachment? Do you feel that has got worse through modern culture? Or, you know, do you think actually it's necessary for a human being to kind of start like that to then transform, I guess?
0: So before covid there was suffering, and we each look to ourselves for that. And with COVID, the reason we don't like being trapped is we're stuck in the house with what we're thinking and believing.
1: Mm.
0: And when we're out there in the world, people say funny things, and we laugh, and we get together, and we drink coffee, and we all these things going on. So the ego is very different than when we are alone.
1: What is the ego, if you don't mind? How
0: would you describe the ego? The ego is false self. I see me with my husband at breakfast this morning. I see our plans for dinner tonight. I can see me at the table. I can see us, you know, eating breakfast. So is that me? I mean, that's crazy to think that's me because that's one, two, three of me now, so who am I? Not that, not that, I'm present. Ego is another word for mind. Now mind is nothing, it's not physical. We would all agree with that. So if mind is nothing, if it identifies as an object, let's say me or you, it can't sleep. It's got to, I think I am, I am, I am hungry, I am tired, I am depressed, I am, and I thank you. It doesn't, again, it doesn't sleep. And that was that moment on the floor when the bug crawled over my foot and I opened my eyes before the ego could feel. In that space, I saw how the ego appeared to live as I. And we can wake up to that and
1: through these four questions that I call the work. Can you explain um, the turnaround? And often the turnaround can obviously reveal things about ourselves that we are reflecting, using other people's reflection to show us. But that can potentially create like too much responsibility for someone to take on themselves. And that's why they try to judge someone else. What's the remedy for that?
0: It's like, they don't care about me. Try on the opposite that shows up. What is the opposite? They don't care about me. They do care about me. Okay. Now my ego's going to go, no, no, they don't, they don't, you know, but if I've done those four questions first, my mind is open to it. So they do care about me and I'm not going to believe it. I'm going to try it on as though it were a pair of shoes. So I've tried that on. I had no proof. Okay. Another turnaround. I don't care about me now. I could live that turnaround out. I could walk out in the audience later and say, how do you feel about me? You know, what did you get out of this? And, and um, did you ever have the thought you didn't care about me? And maybe they did and maybe they didn't. But it only improves my life because my mind is so open. I'm doing my work. Another turnaround, I don't care about them. Yeah, I just made an entire audience the enemy. That's the work of the ego. Question it first for those four questions and then get to the turn on, there's something wrong with me, turn it around, there's something right with me. And then to get still in that and notice how the ego goes. no, no, no. But just to get still in that, there's something right with me. And to be honest with yourself and in the silence. If you find one thing right with you, you can find two. Like I got up this morning, I brushed my teeth. There's a way out. There's a way out and the way out is the way into ourselves. And these questions take us in. That's the trip in.
1: So you have helped... Millions of people heal, challenge their thoughts, realize that their thoughts are most often lying and not, there's no evidence to support them. And these questions help you see that in broad daylight, which is amazing. What would you say the most common toxic and damaging attachments and thought patterns you find in all the sessions that you do with people?
0: You know, I've worked with a woman this morning whose daughter has fibromyalgia. And the situation we were doing the work in is her, her daughter got up in the morning and was coming out, and it was painful for her to walk. And so the mother filled in the judge-a-neighbor worksheet, and there's six questions on that worksheet that help us identify the thoughts that cause the suffering. For example, she would become impatient when she was really just fearful is what showed up. She said, I'm angry and upset and sad because my daughter isn't getting any better. Mm. I want her to be well, to be her normal self and to be happy and carefree teen. My daughter shouldn't suffer so much. She should be able to do what her peers are doing. Mm. She is, my daughter is broken, sick, hurting and hopeless. And so we question those. My daughter is broken, is it true? And then she looked at her daughter in her mind's eyes, anchored in the situation, that's how to do this work. And no, it wasn't true. In that kind of pain, her daughter was up, she was walking, it's not true. And then how did she react when she believed the thought her daughter was broken? She saw those images of the past when her daughter was healthy and images of the future where her daughter's gonna get worse and she was short with her daughter, and then feeling guilty when all she was was worried. It takes a very open mind to own what we see and not try to make nice with it. Making nice is the ego at play, and eventually the ego begins to trust the wisdom that happens in this work. And so the ego can literally, in my experience, find a mind at home in
1: itself. So it's like the ego finding a place of truth.
0: Yes. It's true nature. It's Mm -hmm. real nature. And in that, it can rest. It's found a home and it's welcome.
1: Starting any practice, whether it's even just remembering to go for a run, and we know that's good for us. We know the work can leave us from so much suffering, but yet we struggle to implement these practices. Do you have any tips to incorporate the work into your life, or what have you seen the barriers to be in past clients that kind of stopped them on their journey? Is there any help you can share? It's only natural that
0: people would not want to sit down and do this as a daily practice or anything, even yoga that they love. It's the, the ego will talk you out of anything if it thinks you're gonna get wise to it, you know, <laughs> if it's threatened. And, and so just expect it. And um, if, if I had the thought, oh, um, I'll do it later, I've got to laugh at that because I see how I react when I believe the thought often i don't do it at all (laughs) so when i don't believe the thought i have the thought i'll do it later i just kind of laugh and do what it is i'm going to do because i can't win against the ego i can't do war with it i've got to be awake to it and for people new to the work and can feel like a tsunami is coming at them like do the dishes it comes to mind and this ego just attacks the idea it loves it and it can work if we're asleep to the cause so i just notice and just do the dishes and then i'll have the thought for example brush your teeth and i just move i'm moving in real time which is to say living in the present Those worksheets, it's a practice in stillness, it's a meditative practice, and it takes a very open mind. But what you're tapping into is the real deal, you know, beyond the work of the ego, into our true nature.
1: So one of my favorite quotes, and I have so many, and there are about 100 here. Life is simple, everything happens for you, not to you. Everything happens at exactly the right time neither too soon nor too late. You don't have to like it, it's just easier if you do. One question I have for you, let's say there is something that's happening in your life that you really don't like and it's not even maybe the ego that's spouting forth lies. It is just a really not very nice situation. How do you accept reality?
0: First, I would test it's not the ego, it always is. (laughs) And then when we question, it's it's, it's as though the clouds part and we can see what we had no access into prior to that. It's so cloudy, we couldn't see it even when people tell us we'll argue with them. Mm. But inquiry breaks through all of that and brings in the light.
1: Maybe let's take a really topical example. Let's say someone, a loved one is struggling with COVID and you know, they're like, I don't know how that could be the ego. Like my loved one is struggling with COVID.
0: Okay. So my loved one is struggling with COVID. Now everyone would agree it's true, but if I'm having a problem with it, I want to know the cause of my own suffering. So my loved one is struggling with COVID. Is it true? Yes. Can I absolutely know that it's true? Yes. How do I react? Here's the key. How do I react when I believe the thought I see in my mind's eye, the ego showing me images of my loved one getting worse and the past when they couldn't get their breath, when they were struggling and in the future where it's not going to get any better and I see them sicker. So you see these images, that mind play going on and we don't know it's going on. We just are worried and sick and that's the point. How do I react when I believe the thought? I see the images, the, the emotions I get in touch with. What is the Who would I be without those images and what I'm believing onto those images? and and then if we get covid ourselves it's the same thing covid's one thing but we have thoughts like i'm never going to get better this is going to get worse i'm going to die and i'll never see my children again or my friends or um, this isn't fair this isn't right this is, i mean covid is enough to deal with but how i react when i believe these thoughts is when we look at emotionally it costs us the health we do have to fight COVID. It gives us our best chance. The power of peace is, is um, we underestimate, we think it sounds so dull, but there's nothing more exciting than peace.
1: Right, so who would I be without the thought? You'd be you know, ready to help your loved one, be a greater support, be able to raise spirits, And then what would the turnaround be on that? You know, I'm worried my loved one has COVID.
0: Turnaround would be, I'm worried that I have COVID. Mm. And to sit in that and see where my fears are that would hold me back from supporting that loved one. And we're also so awake when we're awake that we can see that, oh my gosh, I, I forgot my mask. Or, oh my goodness, there's water right here. And I went to the kitchen to get more, but I was so upset I didn't even see the water they needed right right here on the table. I mean, awareness. We're seeing life as opposed to life imagined in our mind.
1: Living life, not life imagined. I'm conscious of your time. And obviously I will put in the show notes, uh, thework.com. Just uh, before I leave you, what would be your advice to every 21-year-old? If you had two minutes with them, what would you say to them?
0: Oh, my goodness. If there is a world going on that we're blind to and the nature of the world is pure goodness, life's a gift and mind is infinite. And until we love what we think we can't love the world. We can't even love ourselves.
1: Well, thank you so much. I'm so grateful. And um, I look forward to following your work forevermore. Um, And thank you for being such an inspiration for my book. And yes, it's just such a delight. Well, thank you for bringing such beautiful worlds to us thank you for listening. It would be a huge support if you wouldn't mind rating, subscribing and sharing this podcast. I also would love to hear from you. So please find me at Poppy Jamie on Instagram, DM me and I would love to hear your thoughts on any of the topics that we discuss download happy not perfect my app that's designed to boost your mood and help you sleep and give you mindfulness in less than five minutes it's packed full of science-backed tools and rituals to give your mind the care it needs sending lots of love and energy see you next time